Good morning. The uh, reading from the New Testament this morning will be taken from uh, two readings, rather, will be taken from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, and then chapter 11, 28 through 30. Hear now the reading of God's holy word given to us. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. One more passage from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This is the word of the Lord. You know, um, it's hard not to think about having sermons on the Lord's Supper. Um, in my own experience, I learned to enjoy writing these sermons um, and thinking about these things because they're very important. And there's some things we need to learn. So it's from time to time, I just keep wanting to bring invitations to the table or sermons that have to do with this meal that we take. And so this morning, we're going to sit down, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. And you remember it was instituted the day, the night, that Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. And so we stop and we're considering a covenant meal. A covenant is an agreement between our children's catechism says between two or more persons. You know, I remember little kids saying two or more persons, you know. And we remember how our kids say these things. They don't say commandments, they say amendments. And so we remember how these kids say these things. But a covenant is sitting down, two people sitting down and making an agreement. And we use the word, I like to use the word ratify and re-ratify because ratify, it speaks of something formal. Ratify means that we sit down and we do something official. When we have people come before the congregation to make a profession of faith, it's a formal thing. Now, all along, I tell little kid, I tell kiddos and adults uh, when they're 30 and they're going to make their profession of faith, I say, have you been making professions of faith before you got here? <laughs> Those are sort of informal professions of faith, correct? But everybody, before they get up in front of the church and does something official, they should be able to give some testimony that this is what they believe all, uh, you know, up to this point in time. Now, this is official. This is a formal thing. Jesus says, if you confess me before men, that's a formal thing. I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Again, another formal thing. These things happen in the lives of, in our lives and the lives of the church, life of the church. And the same thing's true when we come to the Lord's Supper. 
This is a formal time. This is a solemn meal. This is a time where Jesus comes to us and he says, I'm giving you myself. He says these words, this is my body, this is my blood. We can talk about what that means, but he's definitely giving himself to us. And you and I, we in turn are taking from his hand and we are giving ourselves back to him as his disciples. So it's a time of giving and receiving. He gives himself to us and we give ourselves back to him. When we go to a wedding ceremony, I, 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 can, I think my phone's out in the car, but if you wanted to see a beautiful place where I went and did a wedding on May the 1st, uh, I'll show those pictures to you. A canyon with a river behind it and fish jumping behind us. And uh, it's a formal thing, right? And you know, when I talked to Jeremy, the guy that got married, I told him, I said, you know, you're going to do this formal thing and you're going to tell this woman, I love you. You say, what do you say? You have to say, I do second. You say, I will first. You do the I wills, and then you do the I do part at the end. And so after it's all said and done, I said, you say that you love this woman. But don't go. Don't go try this experiment. Don't go and try to not say that you love this girl for the next two or three weeks and see how, just see how that goes for you. Don't do that. You say, I love you formally. And then after that formal time, you get to say, I love you for the rest of your life. And, you know, if you, if you want to learn a few lessons, guys, don't say I love you because too many times because you'll run out of the becauses. What you do is you say I love you because, I love you because, and then you finally say, you know, there's so many intangible things about you. I don't even know why I love you, but I love you and I can't do without you. Okay? So we say it. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what you think about Dr. Phil lately, but Dr. Phil does have one thing that he says that really is good. He says, how's that working for you? If you don't say, I love you, just think, how's that working for you? Probably not going to work for you. You and I, we say, I love you, and we do it formally, and we do it constantly, informally. And as Jesus turns from the Passover, the Old Testament, its focus is a covenant meal, and he turns to the Passover in the Old Testament, those days he turns it into this covenant meal we call the Lord's Supper. The focus is still a meal. Now, there's two things as we think about coming to the Lord's Supper. First, Jesus invites us to come to Him. So, in order, sort of like first, first things first, second things second, come to me first, come to the table second. Now, this is important for us to keep in our minds because who is invited to the table? Only those who come to Jesus first. So, first things first. We can come to the table after. We can come and say, I love you and sit and take the bread from His hand after we first come to Him. So the first point this morning is the invitation to come to Jesus Christ. We can't sit with him at the table if we don't know him first. It's simple, right? But we have to put these things in order. And so we see in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, Jesus says. In Matthew seven thirteen, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. Walk on this narrow way. It leads to life. Go away from that broad way. Everybody's on it. You've got to go through this gate over here, and you steer away from destruction, and you go towards life. John 10, I am the door. Now, there's not anybody in the world who thinks when Jesus said that, he's a door. Right? If I said, I'm the door, what would I be saying? I'd be saying, I'm the way to get into this school, maybe. Or I'm the way to get into to this to, to, to go this way or that way. I'm telling you that I'm the entrance to something. Jesus said, I'm the entrance to salvation. You come to him. Jesus says in other passages, I think I ought to throw this in. He says, I'm the water of life. Come and get some of it. 
if you have not come first to Jesus Christ, when the trays come before you, I'm going to ask that you just look at them. I'm going to ask that you look at the bread. I'm going to ask that you look at the wine. I'm going to ask that you first think about what the bread and what the wine preach. I love this about our doctrine. This bread preaches body, the body of Christ broken for our salvation. And the, the wine, it preaches the blood of Christ is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Think about that as the, as the wine and as the, the bread are being passed in front of you today. You and I, we come into this world as sinners, and when we hear commands, come to Christ, or enter by this small gate, when we hear these commands, we settle for the mud puddles. Matthew Henry, in the 16, late 1600s, early 1700s, he said it like this, we settle for the mud puddles of the world. There's so much to be had. There's so much to be enjoyed, but we settle for the mud puddles of the world and not life and provision and protection and preservation and love and care and comfort. We settle for mud puddles. Sometimes we say, I'll come later. I'm going to sit with Christ. I'll sit with him. I'm planning on sit with him. I'll sit with him later. And sin loves for us to think this way. Sin loves for us to say later. Sin won't tell you how deceptive it is. Sin is deceptive. If you listen to sin and you don't obey Jesus today, it's our responsibility to obey Him today. If you don't obey Him today, sin takes advantage of that. Sin wants to harden you. One of the stories, I, I can't get it out of my mind when I'm in the gym. Now, guys, if y'all want to talk to me about my life in the gym, I'll tell you about it but later. But I was in a gym and they played music that, you know, kind of bad music. But one day, one of my ladies that I was training, she heard one of these songs and they said the word grace in that song. And I thought we had Houston, we have liftoff. She started hitting the ceiling. She said, you go tell those owners of the gym to turn that Christian music off. And I said, oh, don't, don't worry, just a minute, that song's going to go so sideways, it'll redeem it to you. It'll, re, it'll redeem itself. And it went so bad. Yeah, it, he said grace. But my point is, she was so angry at hearing anything that had to do with Christianity. She was so ready to stomp it under her feet. She had been to church. She had been, quote, confirmed. She had done all the things that people do. She heard one word, and she went... She lifted off. This is a dreadful thing, but it's not a hopeless situation. And the reason that it's not hopeless is there's a word that's harder than the hardest of hearts. It's called this word of God. There's still time to repent. There's still time to hear the word of God preached. There's still time to take the Lord's Supper. There's coming a day when preaching will stop. There's coming a day when the administration of the Lord's Supper is going to stop. There's coming a day when there's going to be no more prayers and no more fellowship meals. None. But that's not today. And so you and I, we need to believe the lies of sin no longer. We need to cry out to God for a new heart. We need to exchange the slavery we are to sin to our slavery to Jesus Christ, which is not really slavery at all because He tells us He's the truth and the truth sets us what? It sets us free. Exchange drinking from mud puddles 
in this world to drink the water of Jesus Christ and come and sit at this cup of blessing. First things first, prepare yourselves for this cup by coming to Jesus first. Second, and this is to our young people, those of you here, you've been baptized in your infancy. There are those of you who have been brought by your parents for baptism. You've been given to the Lord by your parents. Out of love and out of obedience to God, they've brought you before the Lord for the water of baptism. And they have vowed, even though you're little sinners, they have vowed to raise you to be a Christian. They have vowed to raise you to love Jesus Christ. They read the Bible to you. They bring you to church. The visible church is the visible kingdom of God on this earth. And you hear the word of God read and preached. And people around you sing and fellowship and they love you. You've been raised in the church. The parents, your parents, they vowed to pray for you. They vowed to pray with you. They vowed to teach you how to pray. This is a wonderful thing to grow up in the church. And now as a young person, you do know your right hand from your left. As a young person, you do know what it means to repent and to believe. And every time we have the Lord's Supper come, it's in front of you and we have to ask ourselves this question. I, you, you understand, have you drank and have you eaten from the bread and from this cup at this table? And you have it every time. Every time it's passing in front of you. And you need to ask yourselves, why? You and I, we put aside young people, childish things. Now, sometimes we 61-year-old people are still kind of childish, right? But we put aside childish things. We're growing up in a world and we learn how this world works. But I'm pleading with you, as we spoke about last week, to think about another world. To think about a heavenly place. To think about the God of the place and Jesus in the place. Your baptism is a great privilege. You've been raised in a Christian home. And now it's time for you at this time in your life to think seriously about the direction of your life. We have to choose one way or the other. You either come to Christ or you don't. You enter through the narrow gate or you don't. You and I must sit with Jesus. You've been raised. You've been called to be a Christian. It's the water of baptism. It's, there's a statement that we have in our shorter our children's catechism that, that the waters of baptism obligate you as children to obey and come to Christ. You're obligated more than people outside this building are because you've been taught. You have been taught the Word of God and what it means to be a Christian. But here's the point. Mom and Dad can bring you for the water of baptism, but you have to accept Christ yourself. You have to turn from your sins yourself. Mom and Dad have done a great thing. I pray that Mom and Dad get help from God to help you to know Jesus Christ. But you and I, we have to turn to Jesus Christ ourselves. As the years go by, one of the things that I, I you know, I think we always know when you're 22 years old, you do know you're responsible. I mean, I know I'm resp- I knew I was responsible when I, when I was 22. But I had this moment where I recognized I was responsible for some other things. I can remember I played the victim card in my mind, at least in my mind I did. The, the only reason that I think 
such bad in bad ways. The only reason I act so badly, the only reason is because I had parents who didn't teach me enough. I had Sunday school teachers who were not good enough. I had pa pastors who were not good enough. And the reason I behave so badly and think so badly is because I didn't have good examples and good teachers. I played that game. And then one day when I was 22, I walked around and I began to realize I'm responsible for my bad thinking and I'm responsible for my bad behavior and I'm responsible for what I do with Jesus Christ. And so you and I, we are responsible. Am I going to keep drinking out of the mud puddles of the world or am I going to come to Christ and drink the water of life? We have to ask ourselves that. Am I going to drink from this cup of blessing or am I going to keep drinking what the world offers to me? Am I going to say with Peter, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and will I be a Christian or not at all? There's the question. Who will you choose? All of us, think about it. We, man, we make all kinds of choices. I wish Evan was here. But we're going to choose a college. We're going to choose a vocation. We're going to choose a spouse. We're going to choose a particular city to live in. We're going to choose a our particular diversions. We're going to choose the fun that we do, the hobbies that we have. But will we choose Jesus Christ or will we choose the world? Will I fix my eyes on Jesus? Will I lay aside sin and will I run along this narrow path Jesus calls me to? Will I drink this water that's offered to me or will I stick with the mud puddles of the world? Why would we delay? Now, I've asked many young people this question. Why are you delaying? Why are you not coming to Christ? I'm talking to 24-year-old men. Why have you not come to Christ? <laughs> well, not now, Pastor. Later, Pastor. Why not today? I intend to. The devil loves this. The devil loves good intentions. The devil likes to see those good intentions and he wants to harden you away from Jesus. Just oh, the, the Philip, Phil, uh, Felix says to the Apostle Paul when Paul was preaching to him, he says these words, Go away for the present, Paul, and when I find time, I'll summon you again. <laughs> That's what he said. When I got time, I'll call you back. Why not come now? No more delays, folks. Don't put it off anymore. Don't go away from here and wait for a better time. There's not a better time. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. No more delays. You need to say, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> That's what you need to say. Walk no longer in the counsel of the wicked. Stand no longer in the path of sinners. Sit no longer in the seat of the scoffer. Come to Jesus Christ. Be His disciple. Full allegiance. Drink from His water. Jesus said, my body is true food. My blood is true drink. Just like every one of you. We're going to all, man. We got a bunch of food back there. We got a bunch of food over there. And we all need it physically. But one thing we also need in this life of physical, this physical life, we also need spiritual food. And Jesus says, I have it for you. It's my body and it's my blood and it's true. It's the best. Well, finally, let's think about Christians. You know, I like, I like the words that I got this from Matthew Henry. 
Because I just read one of his books. I read it over and over. He says, those who are Christians complete, sometimes those who are Christians complete will find ways to be, to unnecessarily come to neglect the Lord's Supper. They'll find ways to neglect it. So let me give you four ideas. Maybe you're crying out to the Lord today and you're filled with sorrow and pain. And you think, this is how people do. This is what we do to ourselves. You feel like your prayers mean nothing to God. You feel like God is against you and He's not for you. Now, that, what, those, that little sentence, that is totally in disagreement with everything you've ever read in the Bible, everything you've ever heard from your mother, everything you've ever been taught by your daddy, everything you've ever heard from this pulpit, but you feel like because I'm miserable and I'm not as joyful as I would like to be, I'll just leave the Lord's Supper out today. Well, let me argue with you. Isn't the crying friend, isn't the crying child just in much, just is in much of need of nourishment as the, the child who's full of joy? Dear crying friend, in your tears and sorrows and pain, do you not need the grace of Jesus Christ just as much as you would if you were full of joy? Don't neglect the Lord's table because you don't feel great. Okay? Second, maybe you're saying to yourself, I have too many imperfections in my life. But my imperfect friend, just like I said to the crying friends, why would you be looking for perfection in this world when perfection is only promised to you in heaven? You and I, we're forgiven sinners. Our guilt has been removed. We've been made new creatures in Jesus Christ. We can say, that's what I used to be. This is what I am today. I'm not in heaven yet where everything's perfect and I don't have to worry about sin anymore, but I'm sure not what I was. And I'm going to heaven, and you and I, yes, I'm not excusing imperfect obedience, but I'm saying to you, if you can say with the Apostle Paul, I have not already obtained perfection, but that's what I want, <laughs> then you're well on your, you need to sit down and you need to eat and drink with Christ today. Maybe you're saying to yourself, how can I come to Christ in a worthy manner? Now, this one's real close to the last one. But let's think about this for a second because there's a point to be made. You can say, I have examined myself. I have examined my faith. It's so weak. I've examined my repentance. It's so feeble. I've examined my obedience. It's so imperfect. And after you've examined yourself, I'm, you come to the conclusion, I am not worthy to sit down and eat and drink. But there's one thing we need to understand. We examine ourselves and we see our weak faith. We see our feeble repentance. We see our imperfect obedience. And then we go and we rest all our confidence on somebody else's worthiness. Jesus is worthy and His worthiness makes me worthy to sit at this table. And if I'm humble and I understand that, I'm ready to eat. Jesus is the one who makes us worthy. We examine ourselves. And, you know, it's kind of like this. Does the preacher need to study before he preaches? Does the preacher need to study? Oh, I see somebody. Oh, yeah. So he gets up and he, he studied his guts out, okay? But then what does he do when he preaches? He totally trusts in God to help him to preach. And so I've examined myself as best I can before I come to the table. And then I go and I rest totally on Jesus and his righteousness. And I eat and I drink. 
It's the same thing. Let's, let's ask, answer one more question. Maybe you have come today and you already made up your mind, I'm not going to eat and drink. Because you haven't prepared. Some people, they, you know, sometimes I'm going to crush that. I'm going to crush you if that's how you think about this. Okay? In the, in the most loving way. So you got up this morning and you didn't prepare for the Lord's Supper, but you came to church. You're obeying the fourth commandment. You have come to church and you are part of this, this time we've been together. We've heard the call to worship. We have confessed our sins together. We have sung praises to God. We have loved Jesus for the forgiveness that we've received. We've listened to, we've confessed our faith with a Nicene Creed. We have sung hymns and praises to God. And now we're listening to the word read and preached. And you've obeyed all those commands. And Jesus says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some bread. I want you to take some wine. And I want you to eat. These are commands. So you've obeyed all the way up to this point, but you're going to disobey and not eat the bread and not drink the wine. Do you get that? Just go ahead and obey. <laughs> don't neglect the Lord's table because you don't think that you got prepared enough. You came. You, you wouldn't skip devotions tonight, some of you. Right? Well, I'm not going to, I'll never skip devotions tonight. I, I probably had devotions this morning, but I, I forgot about preparing. You're prepared, friends. You've been obeying all through this service. So let's eat and let's drink together. Well, the words of institution this morning come from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. Let me read them to you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We've heard our invitations, haven't we? The first invitation is come to Christ come to Christ. Most important decision that all of us will ever make. First come to Christ and then we'll prepare to come and eat at the table. Young persons, young persons who have been trained to be Christians. Now listen, there's a difference. You've been trained to be a Christian, but you have to be a Christian for yourself. You've been trained to live a certain way, to talk a certain way, but you need to make this decision and come to Christ for yourself, and then sit down and do business with Jesus at this table. Well, finally, dear believer, you who have been baptized, you who have made a profession of faith in front of this congregation or another congregation like it, it's time to re-ratify the covenant. With all your tears, with all your imperfect obedience, with all your feelings of unworthiness, Jesus wants you to rest on His worthiness. And He wants you to eat. And He wants you to drink. And listen to me. To your heart's content. He's here to get... He says, if you hunger and thirst after me, He will make sure you are satisfied. Do I believe that? As we dine today, our Lord uses these elements... To spiritually nourish our hearts. 
These are little bitty pieces because what they, it's what they signify. They're small, but they signify Jesus' body and blood. And by the secret operation of the Holy Spirit, these elements are spiritually feeding us as we eat them with faith in our hearts. So it's time to eat. And so let us commune with our Lord Jesus Christ, who although we do not see Him, we love Him. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for helping us think about the Lord Jesus Christ, His body and His blood broken for our sins. We thank You that as we take Him in by faith, that we are united Lord, in a union that makes us one with him, we have a whole different kind of life. And we thank you that there's this wonderful meal that reminds us every so often as we take it of his love for us and how we are to give ourselves back to him. We pray that you'll take these elements and set them apart from their common to sacred use. And we pray, Father, that we would eat and we would drink and we would be refreshed. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.